thank you also for BAFTA for um, allowing us um, as professionals to be here and kind of share our insight into the industry. Because the reality is, I don't think you guys realize how important you guys as new talent is to us in the industry, um, especially me, because um, I'll try and explain a little bit about kind of my background now and how over the last five years, uh, freelancing has become a massive, massive part of our production company. And also, um, well, I've got two hats, but I'll explain now. So, ooh, hello. So yeah, so this is who we are. Um, at the end of my presentation, I'm gonna give um, you guys a kind of a chance to sort of um, pick our brains. But um, the funny thing about it is, um, as individuals, I don't know how you guys um, kind of, um, we're so kind of in our own little bubbles, we r rarely do we get a chance to sort of talk uh, with untested freelancers, um, sorry, freelancers, um, because the reality of it is when you're in productions or when, when you're working on deadlines, very rarely do you feel conf confident in taking chances on untested talent. Um, and I, I feel bad in saying that, um, but the reality of it is when, you've, when you're spending 300, 250 pounds a day, 300 pounds a day, you want to know you get your return on that investment but I'll explain that better um, in a minute. So I'm just gonna um, give you a kind of a quick overview of kind of my background and why I kind of love like freelancing and I don't think we make the most of it in Wales, um, but I'll explain now. So um, that's not me. Um, that's one of um, my productions. Um, and the reason why I've, um, I've used that is um, over the last 10 years, um, I was a graphic designer, um, so when I came out of university, I graduated as a graphic designer. I then went into digital um, because there was a niche. There wasn't many people doing digital. And then I went into games when I discovered that um, television people and games people didn't really communicate really well, but there's a massive need, there was a, a massive gap in the market. Um, so I have a tendency of kind of spending my time filling gaps in an industry, and then when it becomes really kind of the norm, I kind of get out of there, and I kind of reinvent myself every couple of years. Um, so yeah, so I started off as kind of apps, but apps now become a little bit kind of flooded. The market, it's really, really hard to make a living from an app where there was a point where we were making tens of thousands on apps, uh, where now that's kind of, yeah, as in you'll, even today, so Noisy cr um, Crow yesterday announced that they're an amazing app publisher for kids. And it's really sad that they, you know, even one of the best, um, app publishers in for kids is now going back to a traditional model of print because they're finding digital really hard. Um, but yeah, so my background is um, TV predominantly. Um, so I do websites, um, short form content for television. Um, so yeah, so freelancing is a bit of a funny one. So you'll hear it in the news. Um, it's got loads of buzzwords, but the reality of it is, um, I you know, I don't see much difference between companies and freelancers because the reality of it is, um, in what I do in television, um, production companies are a collective of freelancers. Uh, the difference is there's about two or three people at a production company that get the commission, they do the contracts, they, they basically are the money men, and then the team below them then are freelancers. 
So I think it's a really, really exciting um, place to be. And the funny thing about it is I don't think there's enough people in Cardiff, in Wales, uh, freelancing. I think there's still this kind of stigma where you're only successful if you're working for a big company uh, and it's um, that you're a full-time member of staff. Um, but the reality of it is I actually think that it's the opposite. I think you're really successful if you're a freelancer and you're working on really, really global um, productions. I think that's a sign of a successful freelancer or um, a person. So, um, yeah, so we flipped our business uh, a few years back. So um, I actually had an office. Um, Dan's actually in my old office now. Um, and we had 15 members of staff at one point. And we were... We were basically seeing the business as kind of, we were like, you know, basically pay paying staff um, or employing staff to pay them. And we weren't actually growing as a business. We'd kind of reached our peak. So we started, um, we started turning to freelancers. And um, it hasn't always worked um, because, of course, you're taking a gamble on freelancers. But I would say 70% of the time it works a treat because what we do is we then... Um, instead of actually paying for staff uh, 12 months of the year, what we actually now do is we pay for staff seven months a year, and then that staff get to go and work on other productions and better themselves, and then hopefully they come back and work with us again on the next production. So I think as more and more productions happen like that, I think it really is a shared economy. That's the definition of a shared economy, that you don't have talent working on for one company, <coughs> that that talent, and it's thanks to... Um, companies like Dan's company where it's a collective it allows you to actually get a seat in a collective and share knowledge so I think it's a really exciting time in the industry um, and the funny thing about it is um, when you've got 15 members of staff you're kind of fixed to 15 kind of talents what and then what happened every once in a while is we wanted the 16th or the 17th or an 18th kind of person, but we couldn't afford it, meaning that our work would be compromised. But by flipping the business from 15 down to three, it basically allowed us to pick the best people for a specific production. And I think that is happening more and more. And it's really, really exciting if you're good at a specific job. So yeah, so it's all about talent. I think the, the power is now with talent rather than with production companies um, because a production company is only as good as their talent. Um, now, the problem that we have in Wales um, at the moment is that the talent isn't quite there. Um, but again, I, I don't believe this because I, it's mad to think the talent isn't there. The talent just aren't putting themselves forward. So what we do as a company is we annoyingly turn to Brighton, we annoyingly turn to London, we go to Bristol to find talent. And I hate myself for saying that because the reality of it is there is talent here in Wales. Um, and I think over the next few years, hopefully this will change because I think it's the business models that aren't quite there. So people don't get enough work, so they don't persevere, but I'm hoping that that will change in time. So yeah, so the funny thing about it is, as a company, our, our business model now is all dependent on freelancers. Um, so this, basically I put a slide in here of a pilot that we've recently done. Um, so this took five years to get to this point. We've just invested um, tens of thousands of pounds in a pilot, um, and I wanna just play a little bit of a game. I want you guys to try and guess 
how many freelancers worked on this pilot. Five years ago, um, I pitched um, that idea and everybody just went, I don't get it, it's just like a big iPad. And I'm a bit of a geek, so I really like tech. So um, I knew that technology, um, so I knew about motion capture and the fact that we could actually immerse people into um, the iPad could work. What I was finding hard is I had to sort of persuade other people around uh, around me to believe in me. Um, so I was quite lucky. Um, I befriended um, a chap called Hugh Rycroft on LinkedIn about five years ago. At the time, Hugh Rycroft had just struck lucky with Tipping Point on ITV. Since then, he's gone on to having about four ITV commissions. Um, last week, he pitched this format to ITV and BBC Worldwide are currently selling this on my behalf. So the, the funny thing about it is, this is my baby, this is my production, and but I'm, I'm basically freelancing it out to other people to basically move my idea forward. And that, that for me is a true snapshot of how the industry works. So even right from the very start, when you're starting off the, in the industry, you've got to work as a collective to get your ideas off the ground. Um, you know, and that getting this off the ground has nearly killed me. As in, honestly, the amount of times I've had rows with my business partner, it's unbelievable where he's like going, I don't think we want to do it. But um, basically, on a production like that, um, there was a team of about 50 in total. Um, there was half, easily half, if not more, were freelancers. Um, you know, and they're talented people. So we've got our Unity developer based in um, Brighton, Chris, amazing guy. I nearly killed him um, working on this production. We were kind of, we kind of turned up and the studio floor wasn't level. And for motion capture, it's really, really precise. So you need, the, you need really, really precise environment. And then we turned up and the floor was actually about eight mil. In fact, not about, it was eight mil out. Um, so we had to spend all night basically tweaking the games because we were filming the next day and it had to work, you know, for the pilot because we'd invested a lot of money in the pilot. It just had to work. Um, but it's funny how you think so much trust in a freelancer, but the funny, I've worked with Chris now on so many different productions. So yeah, so there was about half the production team are freelancers and that's from um, sound to camera to runners, um, I class myself as a freelancer on this production. Um, so yeah, so the funny thing about it is um, you when so much money is on the line, you have to hire the best. Um, so out of that 40 odd people, we had to get the best. As in, you can't really afford to carry people. And I think that is the hardest bit of the industry at the moment, is how do you break into an industry if no one is willing to take a punt on you? Um, and I don't really have the answer for that other than don't wait till you graduate. You know, don't wait. Harass people. Talk to people. As in, you know, the reality of it is um, three years university or however, wherever you are in life, um, you need to sort of talk to people. Don't be cocooned because there's a danger um, that you kind of go, da-da, I'm ready for the industry or I'm ready for a job. The jobs won't be there. But if you'd been talking to people for the you know, for at least 12 months running up to when you're ready, they will be ready for you. Um, so, yeah, so it's all about talent, um, skills and speed. Honestly, that's all it comes down to. Um, our 
uh, day rate for freelancers can vary from 150 up to 500 pounds a day, uh, depending on how good they are. Um, the reason why they're so different is if you're a junior editor, I know you will take three or four times longer than a senior editor. I know that for, for 500 pounds, they'll get it done, bang, I can put my house on it, job done. With a junior, I'm taking a gamble, but the lovely thing about a junior is finding talent is actually quite exciting um, when you're kind of boring and old like me. Um, because it's like, oh wow, I've actually found somebody young, keen and good. It's actually quite an exciting kind of moment um, because you know, you're, you're always looking for a fresh new talent, a fresh approach. Um, so it's really, really, um, um, it's really, really imperative that you um, understand that's all it comes down to, skill and speed. Um, being a nice person helps, um, but you can be the biggest dick in the world. Um, but if you've got skill and speed, um, people will tolerate you. Um, promoting yourself is so, so, so important. Um, yeah, I, d I don't know how many of you guys are on those platforms already. Um, but the reality of it is um, LinkedIn, Twitter are key. Um, if you're producing videos, you have to get them on Vimeo on YouTube. And don't, you'd be amazed how many people I know that have got portfolios and they put their portfolios behind a wall. So it's password protected. So nobody actually gets to see their portfolios. Um, you'd be amazed. And I was kicking myself the other day. Um, when I bumped into an editor and they kind of, um, Fedu's the guy, he was quite rude to me. Um, and he basically said, he sent me the CV two years ago and I never got back to him. And he was, his nose was totally put out of joint. Um, and I apologized because actually he's amazing. I'm, I, I just don't have time to read all my emails. So, and I'm not trying to be rude. What I tend to do is I'll bookmark it for another day and then another 10, 20 emails come in and I never get round to e reading my emails. As in, honestly, it's quite sad. As in, I don't know if you guys can see my inbox there. I've got 3,534 unread emails and I'm not, that's, I'm not proud of that, but they're really important emails that I actually want to get round to reading. I just never get time. It's, yeah, it's just, we're just humans, aren't we? Um, so yeah, promoting yourself online and keep on promoting yourself is so, so, so crucial. Um, you know, and the reality of it is technology out there these days are making it far, 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 far easier. As in when I, so when I graduated, we had to sort of take um, little crappy leaflets that we printed and actually get to meet the creative directors or the bosses and actually hand them a leaflet and try and kind of give them kind of a really kind of a pitch there and then. And these people just look at us and just go, what do you want? <laughs> go away, I'm really busy. Well, the reality of it is, you can actually put your portfolio online these days for free. And they're really, really, you know, as good as a professional website. Um, but the only thing I would do, though, is um, be selective with your work. Um, if you want to be a graphic designer or if you want to be a stage, um, you know, it doesn't really matter where you want to work. But make sure that you're specialized. Don't have a portfolio that is everything to everyone because that makes it impossible for us to kind of go, ah, new talent, brilliant. I want to work with that person. I want to take a punt on that person. Um, so that's really, really important. Yeah, so again, just reinforcing that. So if you want to be on After Effects, um, um, so yeah, After Effects, it's really interesting, isn't it? So Premiere, 
was um, Premiere and After Effects. I think everybody kind of does it as a module in university. And then they put it in their CV as you can do it. Don't. Just don't do it. As in, if you're going to put something down in your CV, make sure you're bloody good at it. Because again, if you want to be paid for something, you've got to be good at it. Otherwise, you're just wasting everybody's time. So um, yeah, After Effects is a really good one. If, you, if you're not into After Effects, or if you're interested in, in motion design, After Effects is um, a skill um, that pretty much everybody wants. Everybody wants some kind of a kind of a uh, um, After Effects uh, developer, especially if you can speak Welsh, believe it or not. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a niche. Um, and then, yeah, throw yourself out there. Um, start stalking people. Um, because it's really, really um, it's really, really important to know how the network works. So it's taken me years to work out kind of m where I am in the kind of in the wider kind of production world. Um, and the reality of it is, I'm tiny, but then I can actually between me and my business partner um, or the guys that I work with at Tenopolis, we can um, come up with ideas these days. We can pitch ideas. Commissioners will take meetings with us. Um, we win work. And it's all because we take ourselves serious. Um, we take pride in our work. And it's all thanks to sort of um, social networks. Um, we get people kind of emailing us because they're aware of our work and they want to sort of have a coffee with us. And you never know where that coffee is going to lead. Um, sometimes it doesn't lead anywhere, but sometimes it does actually lead. Um, so, for example, a really good example of this is um, two weeks ago, we pitched a AR concept to ITV um, for Thunderbirds, and then um, the project was pulled uh, for no reason. Of us, we'd actually won the work, and then it was pulled. Um, and then, funny enough, the guy who was head of digital at ITV has now moved over to the States, and he picked um, he's um, opened up an email and pinged us over an email um, asking for a conference call um, because he now works for an American production company, and they now want to work on the idea that we pitched to ITV for Thunderbirds. So he, l he loved the idea. It wasn't right at that time, but he now wants to work with us on another um, Netflix com um, commission. So it's really bizarre how the industry works, and it happens all the time. As in, look, I got to work with, Net um, with Sesame Street. Um, so yeah, so, but the industry is changing, though. Um, you, know, you don't have to be in Cardiff anymore to work with a Cardiff-based company. Um, and I think that's happening more and more. And if you guys aren't in that zone of freelancing digitally online, um, I can strongly advise you to do it um, because it's an amazing way of growing your network. Um, because the reality of it is, what's the chances of you bumping into a really influential person who lives on your street, as in, but online, you never know who you're going to bump into. And that's the exciting prospect with online. And because technology allows you now to communicate, um, so we use Basecamp for all of our comms, uh, there's no difference if that person is sat next to me in the office or on the other side of the world. It's the same kind of pipeline that we kind of work to. Uh, and the same, uh, and that's why I've invited Dan in. Um, there's some amazing creative hubs um, that have sprouted up over the last few years. And I am a big, big believer in 10 years' time, these creative hubs will be 
the future of production companies. So what you'll end up having is a collective of people who are individual, you know, they're individual companies, but they come together to win work. And the end client is oblivious to it. Um, you know, they don't need to know that there are five amazing individuals working on and delivering their um, project. But I'm a big believer in kind of putting yourself in a creative hub and co-working. Um, and there's a few of them in Cardiff. Um, it seems to be kind of the, the cool thing to do these days where, you know, you used to sort of find freelancers working in coffee shops. But the problem that you have in coffee shops is you can't bounce ideas off people in well, unless you're a nutter i suppose you can you can go hey what do you think of this but the funny thing about it is with dan's um uh collective they are all like-minded individuals there um and they're they're what's even better is they're not your competition they're your friends so they're of course it's healthy to have a little bit of competition um but the funny thing about it is you can actually sit down and talk to someone and actually get real good critique on your work. So I think that's really exciting. Um, something that wasn't around uh, when I um, started off in the career, but something that even I now, um, every once in a while, I think it's really healthy to sort of get out of the office. So every once in a while, I'll kind of go work in a, um, so that if, if that's um, Tech Hub, um, or if that is, um, well, it, it doesn't really matter um, which one it is, um, but I think it's really healthy to sort of get yourself out of the norm and put yourself in an environment where it forces you to sort of talk to other people and kind of bounce ideas off other people. I think it's really, really healthy. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I don't know if you guys have tried freelancing, but freelancing is definitely not for, every uh, for everyone. Um, quite the opposite, actually. Freelancing um, can actually... Um, can actually break um, people because um, you have to be very organized in the sense that you have to pitch yourself, you've got to deliver the work, you've got to invoice. Invoicing is really, really important because you forget you're a business at the end of the day. So you've got to um, get some kind of an understanding uh, contract in place. Um, but the, the exciting um, bit about this is um, new technology is making that bit easier. So um, over the next few years, there's, there'll be freelancing websites out there that do everything for you. So they do the invoicing for you, they do the contracts for you, allowing you to concentrate on delivering good work, which I think is really exciting. And yeah, you'd be amazed how many people I know um, that do freelancing as a second job. Um, I personally think it's healthy. Um, I love when I've got juniors in work that do a little bit of freelancing on the side. Um, some people hate it. Some people kind of say, well, hang on, isn't that counterproductive? Shouldn't they be doing all their work for us? No, is the reality it is. Uh, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we're humans, and we will do our job's worth. And, you know, everybody thinks they're doing 100, giving 100%, but it's really, really healthy to have a side project. Um, and you'd be amazed how much better full-time member of staffs are if they're doing a little bit of freelancing on the side. It makes them understand the business a lot more. It makes them understand deadlines a lot more. Um, and the funny thing about it is, they're not so obsessed about, kind of, can I have a pay rise, please? Can I have a pay rise, please? Because they're actually proactively doing work on the side and bettering themselves. So I'm actually a big believer that um, doing a little bit of moonlighting, uh, within reason, 
is um, actually really, really healthy. So yeah, so uh, this is a blatant, um, a blatant, <laughs> um, we're currently desperate for developers. Um, so if you know of any developers, I couldn't help myself. Um, we're desperate for developers. Um, and funny enough, we're really desperate for motion graphics as well. Um, so um, either email me at my cube address um, or talk to me later and I'll give you my Tinopolis uh, email address. That's it. So that's my little rant. So I'm going to basically open up the floor now. Hello. Uh, so you guys can ask questions. And don't ask me questions, um, but please ask our panel because they're really, really influential people. Thank you. I'm going that far. Alit, Alit, are you going to answer? So, are you going to answer the emails out of your 3,000? I will. <laughs> I will. I'll do it this evening. Um, Alad, I just wondered if it would just be worth each of the panel just saying a little bit about who they are yeah. before we throw over to questions, if, if that's okay, to do, to do that. Just so they can yep. have a little chat about who they are and what they do. Okay, I'm Alison Dowsel. I head up uh, Screen Alliance Wales, um, which is a philanthropic arm of Bad Wolf. Um, we're based in the New Wolf Studios, Wales. And I think it's never been such an exciting time as it is now to be a student or a freelancer. Um, it is, to have this uh, facility in, in Cardiff is amazing. Each time I go around it, I just go, wow. It is a fully functional television and film studio, which isn't going anywhere. It's been built. It's got roots into the ground, and it's spreading those roots out into very many different areas. The actual structure of the building was all sourced from Wales. The crew and the facilities there are all Welsh-based. So if you want to be a carpenter, if you want to be a painter, if you want to be a paramedic, a nurse, a driver, there's opportunity here. Um, so that's me. I'm starting an online portal where we have education training opportunities, We'll have news and events. We'll have all your crew registered if you want to be registered. And be part of it because, as I said, when I first started Wales Screen back in 2002, our targeted spend that we had to hit was half a million. Last year, it was uh, 55.6 million. So that shows you the growth of the industry. So as I said, there's, there's no more exciting time than to be here in Wales at the moment, and especially in... Cardiff, Swansea, etc. So that's me. So I'm Elisa Factor. I head up the post production department at BBC Wales. It's an in house facility, so designed mainly to run any projects that BBC Wales make. So we deal with both the public service element and BBC Studios. So productions like Doctor Who, Casualty, Bargain Hunt, Pablo Cum for S4C. We do um, OB work for the Eisteddfod, for rugby, so a club on S4C, Scrum 5, Scrum 5 highlights, all those productions come through us. Uh, Crime Watch Roadshow about to launch as well, Young Musician of the Year, which we're currently doing all the category finals. We've got the live OB in a few weeks. So we do sort of OB work as well as all the post-production work on the documentaries, factual programs, dramas that come through us. 
We're designed mainly to do in-house work for the BBC, <coughs> but that doesn't mean we can't do anything for anyone else. So sometimes we do get independents coming to us and saying they're making another programme for the BBC, one of the indies based in Cardiff or anywhere in Wales, looking for us to lend them staff or facilities. And again, we'll, we'll supply all that for them. In terms of the setup, I look after the facilities uh, in Hlandak in Cardiff, as well as at Rothlock, the drama village. I've got about 35, 40 offline edit suites, 12 online symphony suites, five dubbing theatres, eight sound suites, two bass-like grading theatres, two tech review rooms, and two transmission areas. So again, we cover everything. I'm looking for people in roles of all sorts, always on the hunt for sort of edit assistants that will then come up through the ranks with me maybe just doing a little bit of casual work, odd couple of days here and there, the overnight shift, a bit of help at the weekend. And then those people that come in on casual contracts doing those odd bits of work quite often end up on a fixed term contract with me working on other pro uh, projects. Uh, at the moment, I'm looking to crew up uh, edit assistants for things like Crime Watch Roadshow, which is on air in a few weeks' time. And then quite often you'll see those members of staff and those freelancers coming in and coming up through the ranks and doing junior edit work and then eventually online work. Uh, I've got a, a great story at the moment of one freelancer or someone who came in that asked me for some work experience while at uni, came in, did a few <coughs> days, kept in touch afterwards. I brought them back in on sort of a six-week sort of freelance basis. They landed um, a contract with me. They became a junior editor. They worked across Doctor Who. When I had staffing issues on the run-up to Christmas with the Christmas episode last year, they took over and finished the programme and got it on air for us. So those those kind of opportunities do actually crop up. If you're in the know. If you're in the know, exactly. And you know, it's about, as you said, it's about talent and it's about speed and making sure you sell yourself. Uh, I thought there's some really interesting points you made actually on your presentation about you know, making sure everything is out there, the so social media content, CVs, emails. I know I get an awful lot of emails. I don't think I've got 3,000, but I've certainly got 1,000 sat in my inbox that I haven't looked yeah, they're at. Not, they're not all CVs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what I tend to look for is sort of credits on there. But again, you have people that put credits on that may not actually be credits. I had somebody claim to work on a drama a couple of years ago, which I knew I'd been the post-production supervisor on and knew full well they hadn't done it. I think they'd done a couple of days' work experience and sat in with somebody, but I soon caught them out, and that CV went straight in the bin. And also, I want to know about skills. I want to know what the credits are, but also what skills there are. Um, I have a lot of people that send me CVs saying, I'm a great premier editor. Well, BBC Wales is completely avid-based, so again, I want to know that what, what skills you've got, what kit you're used to working on, what software you're used to. And if you are going to apply for something, then make sure you know what facilities they've got. Yeah, that's so true. As in, the, you know, as in, so again, so did you guys know about us before coming here today? As in, you can be honest, as in, you know, I won't take offence. But the funny thing about it is, um, this is how the industry actually works. Um, and it works on this level, on all levels. Um, it's about you kind of leaving an influence in somebody and then them then kind of in another meeting kind of go, ah, you know what, they're actually quite good. You should give them a call, give them a chance. Sorry, Dan. No, no, that's totally fine. Uh, yeah, really good points. I think we're already getting into a discussion, which is great. Um, so I'll be as quick as I can with my uh, intro for everyone. <coughs> I'm Dan. Hey, how's it going? Yay! Happy days. Good. So everyone's had a long day. I thought I'd wake you up a little bit. Um, so, okay, okay, as quick as I can with my background, it's a bit of a long story. Um, 
So I moved to Cardiff in 2010, uh, and it took me two years to get a job uh, in the um, design industry that wasn't really in the design industry, it was in the recruitment industry, but I was a designer for them. Um, and I classed this whole next couple of years as paying your dues um, because people told me that this is what I needed to do. So I worked for a recruitment company, um, got very bored of that within a year, uh, and then left. Um, got a job in a digital agency doing e-commerce sites, um, worked for some people such as Natural Balance, Southeastern, uh, First Great Western, uh, which was really great, solved a lot of problems for those guys. Um, and during that time, I found that I was um, a lot quicker than everyone else, um, a lot more focused than everyone else, and uh, mentioned this to my superiors and said, um, you don't need to waste your money on me five days a week. Um, can I do four? And they were like, yeah, of course. Um, so I did that, um, and then I found that I knew no one in Cardiff, so I was pretty much just hanging out by myself, um, sort of doing that weird thing where you're like, I know that dude from Twitter, um, but you never, you never talk to them. Um, so I decided, okay, so where is the, where are the meetups for designers? Uh, I'm a designer, by the way. Did I mention that? Yeah. Um, where are the meetups for designers? Uh, and I think in 2010, everything was really great, but that sort of couple of years I did within industry, everything sort of petered off a little bit for, for design, um, graphic design specifically. Um, and there was no, no meetups for designers. So I was like, okay, uh, I, I'll make one. I'll, I'll make a meetup. I'll do a meetup, a good meetup. Um, so I started a meetup called Design Stuff Cardiff. Uh, and that went on for two years, and we had two speakers in and around the design industry uh, from Wales uh, and uh, the rest of the UK. Uh, it went really well, met loads of people, um, managed to land myself uh, a different job. I was like, I'm going to go freelance now. Um, and then someone said, I'll give you a job. I was like, okay, that's that's better. I don't know anyone. So, um, so I landed another job, and then... Uh, during that time, I was like, okay, well, that's only a couple of days a week. Maybe I will go freelance. So I started going freelance, and then I was like, okay, so now I'm working at home, and working from home is fine. And then it's like, oh, there's a cat. Oh, there's some dishes. Oh, there's a, uh, you know, I've got to do the washing, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, and whilst that's really great, working from somewhere else and getting out uh, of your house uh, for some fresh air and some social interaction is really, really great. Um, so I went to uh, a bunch of different workspaces around the city. There was only a few available at that time. Um, and there wasn't really a space that I wanted to work in personally. So through running design stuff and bits and bobs, I knew that a lot of people felt the same. Um, so I was like, okay, well, where's the workspace I want to work in? And that doesn't exist. Again, we're repeating the same story. Okay, I'll make one. Um, <laughs> giving stuff a go is really important. So I opened Ravel Studio. Uh, nearly two years ago now, which is a workspace that uh, offers monthly membership for freelancers, uh, remote workers, and small businesses uh, based in and around creative industries, but not strictly um, for those guys. We've got people who do Facebook advertising, um, uh, e-commerce e selling. They make some crazy products for paranoid people, wh which we can go into later. It's quite funny. Um, and um, we've got financial advisor in there as well, so it's really great. Um, but basically, yeah, pretty much I just won everything, like totally winged everything um, up until up until the point where I'm I'm sat here now. Um, that's that's it. That's a, that's the background. Was that quick enough? Is that right? I don't think my mic my mic works. Hey. Yay. Um, yeah. So um, I think what is important about this panel is that we're quite diverse. Um, um, but the funny thing about it is. Yeah, Dan, if I wanted to meet you, I would 
like pick up the phone and say, hello, I'd like a desk, please. So that's how I'd get to know, sure. know you. I think, Alad, you made a really good point earlier. It's networking. It's when you have your contacts, keep them. Keep them going. You know, n never delete an email address because you never know when you're going to need that email address. When you come to places like this, speak to people. Ask them what they do. Ask them how they got into it. You know, um, I think that's how I've always been. My old boss told me, never forget your contacts. Always keep them live because you never know when you're going to need them. And I think we're all pretty open and we want, you know, to help people on. I had a help, you know, when I was younger. So, or, you know, throughout my career, I've always asked. And I think you also learn something every day. And I think if you don't, then it's not yeah, a lot more so point true. in going on. Yeah, yeah, so true. So are you guys, um, I take it that, you know, this is a BAFTA event. Um, are you guys BAFTA members by any chance? Because I think uh, organizations like BAFTA, um, you know, people kind of, so, you know, my wife is guilty of it. They're, my wife kind of thinks of BAFTA, oh yes, the awards. Um, and I'm like, no, BAFTA is a lot more than just the, about the awards. Because um, what BAFTA is, is a, it's an organization that sells the arts and embraces the arts and kind of, but the arts is only there because people pull together and make it what it is. So if you guys are not BAFTA members, I strongly advise you um, to join BAFTA, not to join BAFTA, but to join BAFTA to come to the meetups because it's the people. Um, so you'd be amazed how many times I've, I've met people not knowing I was going there to meet them, but the fact that I've met them allowed me then to follow up and then we've worked together and it's so much nicer because then we're working together because we're friends or we're kind of, it's a bit more friendly than kind of clients, you know, talent kind of relationship. So yeah, if you haven't thought about joining BAFTA, I strongly advise you to join BAFTA or something like BAFTA where there are like-minded people. That's why, you know, um, I was keen to get Dan down here because, um, so there's an organization in Cardiff, a movement in Cardiff called Creative Cardiff. You guys should follow them on, on Twitter. Um, they're amazing in the sense that, um, so Ian, um, so Professor Ian, Hargreaves, thank you. Um, so I came across uh, Ian a few years back. Um, he's a very, very influential person. The funny thing about it is he's way, way above my pay grade. He's, he's you know, I can't talk to him properly because he's so intelligent. Um, but the funny thing about it is we are very alike because we both work in the creative industries. We, we want to move the economy forward. Um, and the funny thing about it is our lives cross in so many different ways. Um, and I think that's, the, you know, um, going back to what you said there about there are jobs available. But I remember being in the audience thinking, ah, oh, no, I, I don't have that skill set. Oh, no, I haven't got that skill set either. Oh, no, there's no jobs for me. The reality of it is it's not about the job that is there <coughs> at that time. The reality of the industry, if you're good, get to know people and they will make the jobs happen when they actually come up. So, for example, um, there are always jobs coming up um, in Tenopolis. Tenopolis has a slight problem because we've got an office in Hinechi. We're trying not to open one in Cardiff, but there might be one opening in Cardiff. Um, and we've got offices in uh, London, and we've got offices out in the States. Um, London doesn't have a problem with talent because there's enough of a freelancing pool of people there, so there's always talent available. Cardiff doesn't have that 
like n numbers of people because the, the talented people do like to have full-time jobs or longer running contracts. Kenehi, yeah, it's Kenehi, as in definitely does not have the media jobs, the freelancing community. But the exciting thing about it, as Alison's pointing out, is there are things happening here in Wales, as in S4C moving out of Cardiff, BBC Wales moving into town, uh, Bad Wolf, do you guys know about Bad Wolf, by the way? As in, an amazing company. As in, and the funny thing about it is a growing company. Um, so, you know, <coughs> touch wood, only amazing things will happen to Bad Wolf. Um, and thanks to um, Bad Wolf, you've got um, Boomerang, um, so Boom, um, Cymru, um, part of ITV Studios these days. Um, they're doing really, really exciting things. Um, but once you're in the industry, there's loads of really, really exciting things uh, going on. Um, as in Sky has taken uh, over Emir Avan's um, company or taken a, a heavy investment there. So uh, Avanti are going to be doing more with Sky. And you think, wow, how can this happen? It happens because there, are ta there is talent here um, and people want to buy into that talent. So I, I plead you not to sort of look joiners as in you know as in don't stand there thinking oh, i wish i wish i could be a part of bad you know um of what the guys are doing at screen alliance but, but join as in look it's really exciting this network that is put together so i remember 10 years ago there was um, a government organization called Covler. we pretty much got two employees from Covler every year no fail as in, it was amazing. It was basically cover um, was um, it was um, Gareth. Do you remember Gareth's surname? I'm really bad with surnames. I, I remember people because yeah, Gareth is Gareth. Um, so Gareth was an amazing guy. He would basically tell me who was good and why they're good. Um, I remember we had five years of the most amazing people come through Coverler, and it was kind of a. Um, yeah, it was kind of a top-up year um, for people who did a media course, but they, re they didn't really know what they wanted to do in university. They knew they wanted to go into the industry, but the jobs weren't there, so they joined Coverler or managed to get on Coverler. And they were about 15, um, and they were so lucky in hindsight because every single one of those uh, individuals have gone on um, to really good jobs in the media because they had what it took, which is perseverance they were very good at communicating and hassling as in uh, you know as in Vicky who organizes BAFTA one of the organizers here uh, at this event the amount of times where she emailed me saying Alid can you please do this for me please can you please say that, you know um, can you send me the presentation and I'm like they're going okay okay it's on my list of things to do but Vic is an amazing person because she doesn't give up and I think that, as a trait, you can't, you can't, you like have enough, like just slightly pushy on the right side of pushiness can take you very far in life. So you know what would be amazing this evening is if you guys are coming to a rap party, hang around. As in, don't go home. I, I know you've all ha probably had a long day, but come and talk to us, because the reality of it is, I can't stress we are as you know as grown-ups as you know um, professionals we are desperate for new talent and people to sort of 
you know, I, I want to be surprised by talents that kind of go, look, I know you're probably not looking for X talent at the moment, but I'm bloody good. Can you please give, like, can you just remember me? And maybe when you're having a coffee with someone next time, remember me and give me a chance because that's all it is it's that chance it's like the editor that you you know what would happen to that editor if they hadn't have come on a work experience and proved themselves and you know people don't look back can i interject um so your editor or your editor your editor i run post-production so yeah the BBC oh so the, so the person who came in mm -hmm. um with work experience and ended up editing the <laughs> end of Doctor Who, right? Yeah. So are they on contract or are they freelance? They are on contract now, but they came in on a freelance basis. Okay. They came in work experience-wise. Uh, there was something that just grabbed my attention. They came in for two days. There was a little spark there. I kept in touch. I told them to keep in touch. They did. I said, keep badgering me. Do it all the time. Send me a note saying, I've got a couple of weeks off at the moment. I've got my summer break coming up. Just keep reminding me you're out there because sooner or later some gap will come up. I will need a whole filling and I'll be looking for somebody. And that's exactly what happened. I rang her up and said, look, I've got a production starting. I just need cover for a few weeks. She came in to do six weeks with me. I let her go after that. It was only six weeks I had. But I said again, keep in touch. When the next project came up, which was more like six months, again, I brought her in for six months, uh, sort of a freelance casual contract. And then eventually I had a job that I advertised. She applied for that. She joined me um, as an edit assistant, did that for a year. And then uh, an opportunity came up just for six months as an online assistant working across Doctor Who, uh, working with the finishing editor. So basically painting out all the fixes that we needed doing, dropping in the VFX, making sure the grade went off to the correct place. Did it come back? Was it exactly what we were expecting? Or had shots changed? Quite often things are being recut making sure everyone had the right pictures. Um, she did that, uh, applied for a job with me as a, as a junior editor, uh, and then it was only that I had a gap because somebody went sick with two weeks to go and I needed to get that program on the air because obviously Christmas episode of Doctor Who is always a biggie. When he regenerates, it's even bigger. <laughs> yeah, I, it, was, um, it was just something I wanted to, to, to clarify. Um, just about talking about maybe like getting jobs and things. I don't know if we were talking specifically about jobs or that sort of freelance um, contracting type thing. But I think the, one of the main points you said there was uh, just availability, just let people know you're around and you're available, which in my, in certainly my experience is, has always worked from like just sending like a nice email, like oh, I've got some time, do you need anything? So not like I need a job. Like. But the funny thing about it is, is that an email or is that just a post on LinkedIn? As in, you know, it, again, it's, there are the technologies out there these days, so you don't have to send individual. If you don't have the confidence of sending an individual, you know, if you don't have that relationship, because it would be quite weird if you just randomly emailed, you know, it's kind of. Oh, by the way, I'm available for a month. Who the hell are you? I'd do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, you, you know, you've got to put yourself out there. I, I think that's the important thing about it. Yeah, yeah. Questions? Have you guys got questions? Please have questions. It doesn't have to be a good one. Oh. Um, hiya. Um, so I, it's just a sort of generally, I mean, I've freelanced for about six years now, but in like commercial stuff and web content and that sort of thing, which is great. And, you know, I'm very grateful for all the stuff that I've been doing. But 
um, I kind of, if I do want to sidestep a bit into TV, film and TV, it feels like a slightly uncomfortable thing to do because it's not a world that I've, you know, worked in before and my CV doesn't have all that stuff on. So just wondering if you've got any thoughts on that um, because that ultimately is what I originally kind of planned to do. But, you know, life happens and you kind of end up just working and... Yeah, so... Stuff. Yeah, um, so I'm a digital person working in television um, and there was a point where I wasn't accepted um, because TV people are very much TV people. You've got to talk TV, um, you've got to understand television deadlines, you can't move a television deadline. Um, you know, a TX for television is God. There's no point you saying kind of, I'm not feeling it. You know, you've you've got to pull it out of the bag, um, and if you don't do it, you're letting a massive team down. And there's something about television where if you let people down, they won't work with you again, which is a bit of a bitch, really, um, because you know you kind of think, oh, I was just having a bad day, and people just won't give you that second chance. Um, so it's really, really, really important that you kind of step up to the plate. But what type of skills do you have? What's your portfolio? Um, I'm primarily a camera operator and for it depends on the production but sometimes I'll DP as well but if it's you know a smaller scale thing so yeah honestly that I don't think I don't think you can pigeonhole um yeah you can't it's all about relationships so I, I wouldn't even say it comes down to you not having the skills it's you not having the relationships that have allowed that to sort of move forward um, but yeah, it's hard, isn't it? But I think that's why Screen Alliance Wales, the network that you guys are going to open up soon, will make it easier. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to have have events and um, networking opportunities. But as I think Alad said before, you know, it's networking, it's talking to people, it's, you know, trying to find out what's going on and looking out for those opportunities that, that are out there. And, you know, if you're good, you will get work. Um, I've seen it all the time. And funny enough, when you were talking earlier about the edit, the person who came to you, uh, we had a young guy um, go on to Da Vinci's Demons, came out of the Royal College of Music and Drama, um, uh, set design. Um, he went on Da Vinci's Demons. Uh, he stayed on that for however many seasons it did. Uh, he was the production designer on uh, Discovery of Witches and he's now art director on his Dark Materials. So it it shows that, that, that there is the work and if you've got that ambition and that desire, you will get on. But it, it isn't easy. If it was easy, everybody would be getting every job they wanted. But there is the opportunity, that's all I say. And, and I've seen it, I've seen those opportunities. Yeah. I think the the best way to um, to actually break into the industry is make a living from it. Um, so um, I was talking um, to an editor yesterday who works um, part-time in the industry and then works part-time out of the industry because it, it pays better, believe it or not. Um, but the funny thing about it is the two days where he's not working in the industry, he's not increasing his skills, he's not refining his skills. Um, he's, he's not keeping his portfolio up to date. Um, but the funny thing about it is you can't pick and choose your jobs. Um, sometimes you have to do work that you don't want to do 
but if it moves you closer to where you want to be, that can only be a good thing. We've just had um, a student came into us and worked on reception in, in Wolf Studios, Wales. And he was really good. He opened the door for people. He got up and said hello as soon as they came in. And he went and made a cup of coffee. He's now up on production. We won't see him again on reception. He's now you know, um, in, on the production team. And he's probably set up now yeah, for the rest that, of his career. That, that, yeah, that's happened a few times. Um, so when I worked, um, uh, so for a long um, period of my life, for the last 10 years, I worked on a production called QFS4C, which is the preschool. And the amount of times um, I would go to um, uh, Boomerang Studio uh, on 218 and Panath Road, uh, they now moved down the bay. Um, and I would see someone in reception, and then a month later, they would be, you know, a part of the production team. And But the funny thing about it is, it's as if they knew the way to get into the industry was just to get in, get in front of people that make decisions. And then when they're having a coffee, or whatever, y that you're there. You're that person that kind of goes, hey, welcome, I'm the new guy. And, you know, th that will come in time. But if you're not there, you're not going to get the jobs. Do you agree? Uh, I definitely can't speak for the industries you uh, all have been in. Uh, from my experience, um, is I've had a very much uh, make-your-own-luck approach. So if you guys want to get into film, make a film. If you guys want to get into animation, make an animation. If you want to get into design, do some design. Yep. If you want to meet people, uh, start a social. Yep. Um, if you want to get into managing workspaces, open a workspace. Take calculated risks, however. Um, don't just put yourself... Uh, well, put yourself all in, but definitely take risks, but make sure they're calculated. Um, I'd say that was... Yeah, that was definitely the experience I had, is that um, I mentioned before that I said uh, I spent a lot of time um, paying my dues, as everyone calls it, um, because everyone was telling me that was the correct way to go. I think as an individual, um, that works for other people, but it 100% did not work for me. Um, you know, I was uh, a classic case of um, did well at school, but I was always like missing out on my potential. Um, he's he's a smart he's a smart lad, but he could be so much better. Uh, it wasn't really for me, school, all that kind of stuff. But um, having that sort of three or four years in in industry, and as I said, paying my dues, what I actually figured out was when I started doing some stuff that I wanted to do that people weren't telling me to do, it started working. It started going really well, um, and that experience of making my own choices, making my own luck, was you know 110 percent more valuable than. Um, taking a traditional route. But again, I think Dan's a really good um, a good example of an individual in Cardiff, on your doorstep, um, that has a creative space, an open door policy. Um, um, granted, you've got to pass an interview, but it, there's an, it is an open door um, for you to actually meet Dan and his team. And the reality of it is, if you're good, Dan will like you, and then Dan will introduce you to his network, and that can only be a good thing. As in, you know, as in communicating, getting into people's networks. I always found that that was always the hard bit. As in, I would be um, very self-aware when I was um, earlier on in my career because I didn't actually believe in me as a person. I didn't think I was quite good enough. And then other people would take credit for my work. 
So I would allow them to go into meetings and talk about my work. And I'd be like, oh, good, the meeting's gone well. And it's only now that I've got the confidence where if you're not in the room, you're missing out because they're building the relationships, not you. And if you haven't got the relationships, and that's so true of business, it's not just freelancing, that's the reality of business. Business is all about people and getting people to back you at the right time. And they'll only back you at the right time if they know you and they like you. Um, so yeah, so from this, from this session, please, if you're not, you know, if you're not actively selling yourself, please go out and sell yourself. Brilliant. Thank you. That does bring us very nicely to a close. We have just gone slightly over, but can I just say a very big thank you to Alid, to um, Dan, to Lisa and to Alison. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. <laughs>